0: You're listening
1: to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Haller. What's going on, Oilers fans? Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings. Two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge Cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering new players a shot at a million dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, standard the salary cap and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, plus Don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. My name is Connor Halley, episode number 11 of the Other Connor podcast. And for Edmonton Oilers fans, if you're listening to this Tuesday morning, we are now 14 games into the NHL season. The Edmonton Oilers now 7-7 and on the season after victory in Ottawa on Monday night. And Good news for the Oilers. Mike Smith is back out there between the pipes, and I don't want to knock Miko Koskinen for the start to the year. It was a tough position for him, obviously having to play the bulk of the game's, But last season, we saw that both goalies were at their best when Dave Tippett was splitting them, kind of going with a hot hand and letting it ride until it wasn't as hot, then throwing the next guy out there. And I think that's what the Oilers need to do to get back to their winning ways. And uh, for Mike Smith, probably no better opponent this year than the Ottawa Senators to get your first start of the season. He faced 28 shots. Made 27 saves as the Oilers picked up the victory for the Oilers. Leon Draisaitl scoring the first goal of the game and uh, just a product of the whole line doing some hard work. Very good forechecking on the play. If you're not a Senators fan, you might say that it's sloppy play, the inability to clear the puck. But for the Oilers, the dirty work gets the job done. After Leon Dreisaitl's eighth of the season, it was Tyler Ennis scoring his first goal of the campaign after being benched for a couple. And then Josh Archibald would add an empty netter, his third on the season. Connor McDavid picks up a helper there, and the Edmonton Oilers cruising to victory. Leon Dreisaitl also had an assist, so he had two points on the night, and... Now they look to do it again Tuesday evening, and for the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, these are the games you do have to win. I know the Ottawa Senators played pretty good against the Montreal Canadiens, but good for the Edmonton Oilers to go out there. I thought at times they were just a little bit too fancy. We saw a lot of passing when maybe a shot would suffice, but at the end of the night, they get the win, and uh, that's what they want, right? (laughs) Don't want to refund them too much, and we'll see if they can do it again on Tuesday, Tuesday. Following the game on Tuesday, the Oilers will be out in Montreal to take on the Canadiens. And after that one, the Oilers' offer a few days won't play again until Monday night when the Winnipeg Jets are in town. So for the Oilers, winnable games in the future, but we've said that before, and we've been disappointed. I'm looking forward to that game against Montreal, though. That's going to be a fun one. A uh, good test for the Oilers to see where they're at. Obviously, I know the Canadiens didn't have the most success against the Ottawa Senators. But they're still the class of the North Division right now. So uh, good let uh, test to see where they're at for the Edmonton Oilers when those two teams meet. On the show tonight, we've got a fun one, of course. We're going to bring in Jeffrey Allwork from DraftKings and DraftKings Nation. we will get you some advice for the daily fantasy sports. Are there any Oilers out there you should potentially target? Any good value players? And is there ever a player that's just too much money? We're also going to talk to former NHLer, Matt Cassian. He, of course, also part of TSN 1260's pre- and post-game shows. He's the analyst there alongside Tom Gazzola. But we're going to start off with another TSN 1260 staff member. He also writes at OilersNation.com and below the ice. You can give him a follow on Twitter at TylerYaremchuk.com. Tyler, thanks a lot for doing this. How are you doing tonight? I am great, Connor. How are you? You know what? I am uh, not too bad. Nice victory for the Oilers against the Sens. Probably, you know, what they should be doing. But before we get to that, I know you've had some success on DraftKings the last few days here, especially with the Super Bowl. Uh, How was the weekend for you?
0: Uh, The weekend on DraftKings was pretty good. I'm a big fan of doing kind of like a bigger cash game. So that would be like a double up or a head-to-head and the lineup I put in a big cash game ended up winning for me, and then I always throw it in a little, a smaller GPP is what I like to throw it in as well, and that ended up winning me some money. So the Super Bowl was good for me on DraftKings tonight. I had Connor McDavid in my lineup, and he was he was okay, ten point eight DraftKings points. He had three shots and assist and a block as well. And I'm doing yeah, the rest of my lineups coming together okay here,
2: Connor.
1: Well, I'm I'm, I'm rooting for you. We have Jeffrey Ulrich on the show once a week here just to try to give me some advice, like I. I claim it's to help people out, but really it's just so I can try to win some money on DraftKings. So, just just watch out for me. I'm I'm slowly picking it up here. I've got some hints going forward, so uh, hopefully I can join you in the winner's uh, circle.
0: You can you can add me. Maybe we should start doing like a regular Saturday night contest against <laughs> each other.
1: I didn't know you could do that. I had someone like request to be. I don't even know what you call it, like friend or yeah yeah yeah. I'm like oh, okay, I guess so. I didn't get the point of it. Then he invited me to. Like take part in one of his leagues, and then it kind yeah. of made sense. So yeah, we could do that. You can. It's uh, me. it's
0: kind of fun. Like me and my buddies will do that every Saturday during the NFL season. We do one every week, and you know throw a couple bucks in there. The winner maybe if there's five you, the winner only gets like you know $10, 15 bucks, but it's good for like banter. It's a fun thing to do with your buddies.
1: Yeah. Oh, exactly. Great bragging rights. Like, well, that's a good idea. I, I'm going to be throwing that out there to my friends for the upcoming NFL season because just a little something extra on the line. Why not? Exactly. All right. Well, Tyler, let's get to the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, they are victorious against the Ottawa Senators, winning 3-1 Monday evening. But let's go back to Saturday. And that wasn't the greatest performance by the team overall against the Calgary Flames, of course, you know, losing the game. What did you make of the performance Saturday night? And what changed? Or is it just taking on the Senators?
0: Uh, I think it's a little bit of just taking on the Senators. But keep in mind, the Sens are coming off two games against the Habs where they played real well in each of them. They got a win and they almost got two as well. Um, so the Sens are playing good coming into this one, but just going back to Saturday, just in general, disappointing. And, and they needed another save. Like I've been a Miko Koskin, an apologist, kind of all season here. And he just simply was not good against Calgary. They started great. Calgary got some big saves from Jacob Markstrom. And then when Calgary pushed back. Edmonton didn't get those same saves from Nico Koskinen, and I honestly think that was the difference. I thought there were some really weak calls in that game against Calgary, but I'm, you know you can't just sit there and blame the refs every time you lose a game. So Saturday night, I thought goaltending was a big difference, and you know what? Tonight against Ottawa, goaltending was a big difference as well in this one. I mean, you look at that point where the Senators were up one nothing, and I, I'm trying to think who was on the breakaway, but the Senators got that breakaway right in front. I think it was Brown. And Mike Smith came up with a huge save. And from that point forward, the Oilers never looked back. I mean, you look at the game right now on like a period, or you look at the game tonight on a period-by-period period breakdown. In the first period, the Oilers got outshot at 5-on-5, five 9-6. Five, to six. In the second period, again, right around when Mike Smith made that big save, the Oilers flipped it. And all of a sudden, they outshot the Senators 13-4 to four in that second period, and they never really looked back. So it, it just, to me, when you compare the Battle of Alberta on Saturday with the game tonight, it just goes to show how important a timely save is from your goaltender.
1: And, I mean, going back throughout this season, I, I can't think of too many occasions where Miko Koskinen has made that save. Uh, a discussion we've had on the pregame show with Tom Gazzola is uh, if, you know, all things were equal and, and Mike Smith was healthy, how many more wins do you think the Oilers get just having that oh, balance boy. between Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen?
0: Uh, I think it's tough because it's tough to go back and give like an exact number, like how many games have the Oilers goaltending cost them? Maybe one or two. So I guess that would be my answer. But here's what I'll say. In Miko Koskinen's first year with the Oilers, he, they traded away Talbot and Koskinen had to play like every game down the stretch and it was taxing on him. He wasn't great. Go to last season, they have a competent backup for him. They can do the 1A, 1B thing where Koskinen has to play 60 or 70% of the games, not 90% of the game. And last year, Koskinen was really, really good. He had a 9.17 save percentage. No one could complain about what Koskinen gave the Oilers during the regular season last year. And then you go to this year, and it's right back to that first season. There's no backup to start the year. Koskinen has to play a lot. And I think you can now say with certainty, Mikko Koskinen is not a bona fide number one goaltender in the NHL. You need, that, you need that insurance plan with him. You need someone who can take you know, one or two out of every five starts and just give him that rest. And now that Mike Smith's back, one, tonight's performance from Mike Smith was a very encouraging sign, and two, I think going forward we can expect better things from Mikko Koskinen because he has that safety net.
1: Yeah I mean and I agree with you like I I look back at the time where Coskin had to be the man, and, and make all those starts, and it is tough to say exactly how many games they would have won, and I I really don't think for the majority of those games Mikko Koskinen was the problem, I mean there was overall defense, there was lack of depth scoring, kind of breakdowns, but I, I don't think you could blame it all on Mikko Koskinen at the same time, like you said, having Mike Smith back there between the pipes, giving him a spell a little bit every once in a while, I think it's huge for this team, and yeah. really encouraging going forward, because I, th- I thought Mike Smith looked really sharp out there tonight against Ottawa.
0: Yeah, and like goaltending was not the biggest issue for this team and you can go back through all the games like that first game against vancouver they lose 5-3 but was it the goaltending's fault that they lost that hockey game no but at the same time one more big save and they probably find a way to win that hockey game you can go back to the 3-1 loss to the habs even if they get a big save at some point in that game and they can keep it within one goal that game's probably a little bit different so Miko Koskinen was not a problem up until that game against Calgary, but I think I think that's a good question. Like you are kind of forced to sit there and wonder, you know, ah, man, had Mike Smith not tweaked his knee, how much different would this season look?
1: Earlier tonight on Twitter, uh, you brought up Tyler Ennis pointing out his good play. Later on, he scores a goal. What was it for you that stood out about him?
0: He was just sort of buzzing around the ice, like he was forcing turnovers, and he was just doing stuff that I hadn't seen him do in his other in his other games earlier this season. So, it, like, forcing turnovers is the big one. And the reason at the beginning of the year I had high hopes for a guy like Ennis is because I was kind of hoping he could be Connor McDavid's Tyler Yamamoto. And what I mean by that is what Yamamoto does well is force turnovers off the forecheck and get the puck to his skilled centerman. And I thought Ennis could do that for McDavid season hasn't gone the way he's wanted but tonight he looked like the Tyler Ennis I was hoping the Oilers would get all season where just buzzing around the ice he's got good touch around the net that goal he scored was just an absolute beauty as well and I think just forcing turnovers and getting pucks towards the net is what Tyler Ennis is going to do best and he was doing that tonight.
1: And I mean you talk about Kyler Yamamoto someone who like the motor just doesn't seem to stop How do you think they get other players to play like that? Is it just buying in saying, this is what I have to do to be successful? Do you think some guys are just born that way? Like, How do you make that or even try to find that guy one per line?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of tough because the one thing, I think the player has to be willing to do it. You have to have a guy who sits there and goes, I'm going to work my behind off and do whatever it takes to get a puck when it's in the offensive zone. The other side of it, and as much as I like hate this sort of buzzword, it's culture a little and, and it's a bit of a domino effect like if you're sitting on the bench and your Ennis or you're Puglia Yarby and you see Kyler Yamamoto go into the zone all five foot seven of them or however, however tall he is and he goes flying into the zone and he forces a turnover because he put shoulder to chest on a guy who's six inches taller than him if you're sitting there on the bench how are you not going damn I gotta be doing that too or I can do that too or you know what I gotta take that extra stride and I gotta make that extra effort so I think it's a a mix of having players who are willing to do it and also having a bit of a culture thing there where everyone kind of looks at each other and goes, you know what, I'm going to, as cliche as it kind of sounds, I'm going to work my ass off just like the guy next to me is.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you look at the results. He's playing top six minutes. He's playing with Leon Dryas, having success. You have to look at that and think, okay, well, it worked for him. Why can't it work for me? And, yeah, undersized or not, like, he's just getting the job done. He's been one of my favorite players to watch throughout the season. Tyler Uramchuk joining us here on the other Connor podcast from the Lowdown with Low Tide. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Tyler Uh I want to ask you about Darnell Nurse. And, I mean, I don't know how it is for you guys Uh, For us on the Jason Greger show, tends to always be one of the most polarizing players. Some people love what he's done this year. Some people can't look past the mistakes in the past. Where do you come out on Darnell Nurse this season?
0: I actually just wrote an article about this on Oilers Nation over the weekend, and I think he's being greatly underappreciated by a large portion of this fan base. And listen, with Klespm out, the Oilers needed some returning guys to take big steps forward. They also needed some of the new additions, Tyson Berry mainly, to to be really, really good and outperform their contracts, but they needed returning players to give them good efforts. And everyone was talking about Caleb Jones, but really like Darnell Nurse now being the only guy on that left side who can consistently handle even top four minutes, there's a lot of pressure on him, and he's been great. Before this game today, and and I'll say that because those are the numbers I have in my article in front of me here, he had played the most minutes in the NHL. On top of that, almost five-on-five minutes in the NHL, his most common opponents when he was on the ice, Mitch Marner, Zach Hyman, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and Blake Wheeler. That's a pretty good group of players, Connor. And out of those players, when they were on the ice against Nurse, the only one who had a shooting percentage of, or sorry, a shocked four percentage of 50% or better was Austin Matthews. So Darnell Nurse was consistently going up against the best players on the other team and winning the shot battle when he's on the ice, I just the people who are complaining about him are the same people who ran Jeff Petrie out of town. And look at the career Jeff Petrie ended up having outside of Edmonton. It's a, you know, you might want to complain about Darnell Nurse, but imagine this blue line this year without him. Like, honestly, where would they be without Darnell Nurse this year? He's without a doubt been their best defenseman. And you know what? I'm not going to say, because I haven't been the biggest Darnell Nurse fan over the last couple of years. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a legitimate top-pairing defenseman, but right now they're using him like a legitimate top-pairing defenseman, and they're getting good results. So that says a lot about the player.
1: That piece up at OilersNation.com. Yeah, and I, I can remember back, I actually worked with Low Tide back in the Petrie days, and he was one of the few guys that would always defend him. But, you know, the, the 10, 12, 16 box, you know how toxic that can be. Yeah. It was dark. It was like, you got to get rid of this guy for nothing. And, yeah, how nice would he look on the Oilers' blue line right now? That'd be... A- That'd be nice to have. Uh, Another young blue liner, a guy a lot of people looking forward to watching down the road, and uh, hopefully more so this season, Evan Bouchard. What have you thought about him only a few games into his 2021 season?
0: One, it surprised me a little bit how much Dave Tippett is willing to use him. Like that first game, he played like over 16 minutes. In the other game, he played around 13. And tonight, I'm just pulling up the numbers right now. Again, Bouchard at five on five only. He was at 1501. Connor. Dave Tippett is throwing this guy over the boards a lot. They're, you know, almost in a way like pushing him off the deep end with his minutes, playing him with Chris Russell as well, so he's not exactly, you know, playing with a Darnell Nurse type on his left side, and Bouchard's passed every test, in my opinion. A couple of ugly passes up the middle of the ice, a couple of moments where maybe you go, you know, that nonchalant aspect that I know drives coaches nuts, is creeping into his game, but... For the most part, I think he's been engaged physically. He's a great puck mover. That's never been an issue in his game, and he's he's proven now that he, I think he can do that at the NHL level. I have no complaints about Bouchard, and now the only worry I sort of have with him is how are you going to keep getting him into the lineup once Bear is healthy?
1: So let me ask you this then. Let's say everyone's healthy. Of course, not Oscar Kleffbaum. What does your sixth defenseman look like?
0: Ooh, if everyone's healthy. So the top pairing, I could see them just going back to Bear and Nurse because you know that works. What I would do personally, I would I would take a good long look at Adam Larson on the left side. And the reason I say that is Adam Larson's struggling to move the puck. That's not what he does well. What Adam Larson's going to do well is break up cycles, be a mean presence in the defensive zone, and find a way to tie guys up. To me, you can do that whether you're on the right side or you're on the left side. So I would play Larson on the left side, maybe with Bouchard on the right side. And then on my third pairing, I would, you know, probably have, let's say it's Caleb Jones, Slater, Cougu, Chris Russell, William Legs, and I don't really care who it is. I would have them on the left side, Tyson Berry on the right side. And that's kind of how I would roll if we're going into a must win game. But I must say, Connor. Isn't it nice to sit here and talk about how many options the Oilers have on their blue line versus the past years when it would be insert American League call up that we're like, oh, better hope they can hang on tonight?
1: There's so many positives from this season. Like you say, that's a huge one. Another one, like, when's the next time a 19-year-old will play for the Oilers?
0: Well, yeah, right? Like, like when, it, when Ken Holland came to town, everyone said, oh, he's patient with these prospects and all that. But, I mean, we're sort of seeing that right now. There isn't a... You know, recently drafted player who we're just throwing into the top six being like, oh, better hope they're the answer tonight. Like, that's just not happening right now. They have the depth where if one of their younger guys on their roster needs to take a step back, they can do that. They have competent veterans who can slide in. Like, I know it's been a roller coaster year for Oilers fans, and earlier today, it would have been hard to talk about positives when the freshest thing in your mind was the loss to Calgary. But I do think there are a lot of positives to pull from this year, and as the year goes on, I think we might start to maybe appreciate what Ken Holland's done with this roster a little bit more.
1: Tyler, Oilers now 7-7 and on the season after the win over the Senators. If I were to go back and say, hey, after 14 games a Team 7-7, and what would your response be?
3: I probably
0: would have just kind of shrugged and said, okay, decent start. We're 25% of the way through the season. The Oilers are technically right now in the final playoff spot. They're two points up on Vancouver. Canucks have two more games played. I don't think the Canucks are going to be much of a factor in the playoff race. It's honestly, in my opinion, it's going to come down to Edmonton and Calgary for that final playoff spot. So you're seven and seven right now at the quarter-way mark. You're in a you're in the playoff hunt, which is always a good thing, and you haven't played your best hockey so far. So I think there's reasons for Oilers fans to be optimistic heading throughout the rest of the season. That you know what, we struggled for a bit. We only had the one goalie. There was some adversity, but. We found a way to survive. We found a way to win the games we're supposed to, and we're still in the hunt. At some point here, you're really hoping that the Oilers get like a five-game heater from one of their goalies and it allows them to, you know, maybe rattle off a couple wins against Calgary, maybe a steal one against like the Jets or the Habs too, and you go on a bit of a streak after that. But 7-7, seven and seven, I probably would have been fine with it at the start of the year, and right now I'm, I'm kind of in that same mood. I'm just kind of shrugging and going, you know what? You made your way 25% of the way through the year. There's a lot of work to do. You need to be better, but it, it should be a fun year.
1: Yeah, and uh you brought up those Canucks. I mean, they're in the midst of a five-game losing skid, so could be a lot worse. Tyler, thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, Connor. Thanks. Great stuff from Tyler Uramchuk of TSN 1260. He, of course, one half of the lowdown with Low Tide, Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on TSN 1260. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at Tyler Yaramchuk. He writes at OilersNation.com as well as Below the Ice. Big thanks to Tyler for making some time and joining us here on the show. We talked a little bit about Daily Fantasy with Tyler, but we'll bring someone who covers it for a living. Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation joins us. Jeffrey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. First things first, I got to ask you. Obviously, DraftKings had the big contest with the Super Bowl. Uh, how did you make out with all that was going on with the Super Bowl and the uh, festivities?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I was definitely on the wrong side of the game. I, <laughs> I was on the uh, the Chiefs. Uh, you know, fully fully admit that uh, surprised me the way the game went. Um, you know, just from the perspective of not necessarily that the Bucks won, but that it was obviously that big a blow. But you know, the the, the Bucks defense dominated that game. So shout out to them um you know made a few bucks on on a couple props and, and stuff like that had the right idea for the big the big DraftKings uh showdown contest you know had had the quarterbacks in there had leonard fournette in there but unfortunately my captain wasn't rob gronkowski it was Nicole hardman so my main showdown lineup kind of let me down from that perspective
1: yeah see i i had gronkowski but that was about it for me i like you went pretty heavy on the chiefs and uh yeah, it just did not quite work. Uh, uh, Tyreek Hill kind of let me down. So
2: it's hard to see the Chiefs not scoring a touchdown coming. You know, like that, that one was sort of hard to figure out. So <laughs>
1: Right? Like and, you know and and maybe people might have said that without their tackles we should have keyed up on that a little bit, but I thought for sure the Mahomes magic would work in our favor at least a little bit, but unfortunately that Tampa Bay defense stepped up and a uh, big win for the Bucks. Uh, congratulations to everybody who won on DraftKings unfortunately. Not me. Uh, let's talk hockey, though. This is an Oilers-based podcast, of course. But uh, with the Oilers this week, obviously, they get the two games against the Ottawa Senators, one already passing by the time this podcast comes out. But who are some players you're looking at from the Oilers this week to have some strong performances?
2: Yeah, I mean, outside of the obvious, you know, McDavid, Drysdale. it looks like for the Tuesday slate, we've got Connor McDavid priced really up against Ottawa, which is no shock. Uh, he's $9,000 on DraftKings. I mean, obviously the Ottawa Senators playing so terribly that um, you know you, you can still consider him at this price. I mean, um, you know he's priced up, so this might be a, a spot where when when there becomes a big price gap between McDavid and Drysidle, you do start to consider just taking the cheapest one. You know, at times last year it was actually Drysidle who would who would get priced up, but you know this year with McDavid starting out so well, um, you know you might you might want to start with Leon Drysidle in this lineup, and then the nice thing about taking Drysidle is. He plays alongside Yamamoto, who's a really creative offensive player, and he's a lot cheaper. He's, he's $5,000 on the Tuesday slate. He's probably not going to get super priced up unless he you know, pots a couple multi-goal games in a row or something, but he's averaged about a point per game in the NHL. He sees a ton of ice time. Um, you know, Pairing those two against Ottawa, it's just going to be more cost effective than going with Eugene Hopkins and McDavid, so that's probably where I'd start. You know, The, the top-line player you can continue to target is, is definitely Poopy um, you know he's priced up a little bit too, but under 5K in price, very uh, you know very forgiving. And the, the one last player I'll mention is Evan Bouchard. I mean, um, he's not playing a ton of ice, but his price is still really cheap. He's only 3100 on uh, on Tuesday, and he's averaged 3.5 shots on goal in his first two games. That, that's pretty good production for a defenseman who's you know under 3500 on DK. So if those if that time does go up a little bit, you could see Bouchard really sort of start to be a, a like a really Serious fantasy contributor pretty quickly.
1: You mentioned Connor McDavid being at nine thousand. Is there ever a price point where you personally are like, you know what? It's just not worth it. It's going to be too tough to build other pieces on the team.
2: So it all depends on the slate and, and what other um, you know, like what other kinds of, kinds of values are, are out there. This is a pretty big slate we have on Tuesday, but I'd say the one thing that really still makes McDavid playable is that you can pair him with some of these cheap wingers. Like Pouliourbe, right? I mean, you, we want to stack in, in hockey. We want to get that correlation. You still have a pretty cheap uh, power play defenseman to pair him with, and Nurse or Barry. So, I think it's still viable. I think what you can't do with with McDavid and nine K is pair him and Drysital because now it's probably just a little bit too expensive. But you can definitely still use McDavid and nine K, at least in my opinion. Um, you know, the the consistency, the shot, the shots on goal are up this year. These are all types of things that we don't mind paying up for when uh, when he's consistently getting four or five shots on net. So I think we're, we're getting up there to the point where you, you've got to consider him like a price point bait, but I don't think we're there yet. He's just playing too consistently.
1: Mike Smith drawing back into the lineup for the Oilers on Monday night against the Senators. What does that do for the overall value of the Oilers' goaltending?
2: I don't know if it does anything for it. I mean, um, we, we haven't really gotten a, a big games from Koskinen yet, and, and that's kind of concerning because the others are allowing like uh, quite a few shots on goal, but um, you know, Koskinen hasn't really come up with those big games yet. I mean, he, he's had one performance where he's at 23 DraftKings points, but you know, last year we were kind of used to him every, you know, every couple weeks, he'd throw in like a 30 plus game, 30 plus point DraftKings point game and, and throw in like a, you know, a, a save percentage of like, you know, 0. 0.955 or something like that. And, and make like 35 saves. He really hasn't done that this year. He, he's only hit the DraftKings save bonus once. Like I mentioned, um, despite seeing a ton of shots, he, the, the, just, the the elite upside just really hasn't been there for him. So I don't know if Smith is going to be necessarily like the answer. We'll see here. Um, you definitely want to keep an eye on him. If, if he does start out well, then the is like I said, they're allowing a ton of shots, which is nice for their goaltending upside. But I, I haven't really seen the upside with Koskinen yet. Maybe we'll see it with Smith. It's something to keep an eye on. But I'm kind of uh, pessimistic that he's going to be able to just come in and outplay Koskinen right away.
1: Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings joining us here on the other Connor podcast and uh, Jeffrey it's tough right now around the NHL with uh, a lot of teams missing games due to the COVID protocols but are there any players you're looking at this week that might be a good value?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean obviously we got you know lots of news and, and, and stuff like that to keep track of but There's always players uh, we got to keep an eye on, and I mean the the Calgary offense is is definitely starting to heat up. So I I think that's uh, one team that we should be keeping an eye on. You know, they have Winnipeg again. It's a pretty nice matchup. Well, we've seen Calgary obviously put up some points against Edmonton, but you know, from uh, from a couple advanced stats perspective, like we are, we should be expecting the Calgary offense to to be scoring at a bit higher rate. And I think we're going to see more positive. Uh, Regression as we're we're coming through here. So even a guy like Johnny Goudreau under 6K, that's that's a pretty good price for him. Um, uh, Expecting a little bit more offense from him coming up. You know, a guy like Mikel Backlund at 4,500 might make for uh, a pretty good value as well. Dylan Dubé getting top six minutes, um, you know, 3,200. These are all pretty good values for, for top six forwards, especially Goudreau at under 6K, like I mentioned. So, you know, off the top of my head, I would say that the Calgary offense is definitely one you want to keep an eye on. Like I said, they got Winnipeg. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty terrific matchup. The other team I, I think, you know, could offer some, some deeper value here, San Jose. Um, they're not a good team by any means, but they have been scoring a, a little, at a little bit better rate. Another team who might just be, like, due for a little bit better, uh, more a little bit of positive regression goal scoring like Kevin LeBanc. At 4100, he's a pretty consistent shot producer. So, like for the deeper value, Ryan Donato, there's there's a lot of sort of top six forwards there on the Sharks. You you don't necessarily want to play every night, but you know in a weaker matchup against the Kings, which they who they got on tap this week, I think those San Jose forwards could be uh, something to look at too.
1: And just quickly, any players or teams, I should say, that you're just going to stay far away from this week.
2: Um, no, no one off the top of my head that I necessarily want to stay away from. Maybe, maybe Chicago is, is a team like, this Maybe more of a betting thing, but they've been getting some really hot goaltending uh, late from uh, Lankanen. And I'm just not, I'm not positive how long that's going to last. He's let in, uh, I, it was a guy I played a couple times last week um, in net. And, you know, he, now he's let in seven goals over his last two starts. It's not like he played that bad in those starts, but, you know, he was he was coming through with like a, a .97 save percentage every night. It seemed like, and, and putting up like 20 plus Jackings points. I'm just not sure with how bad the shots are defensively that I'd want to keep relying on Lankanen. So that's probably a player, you know, that that comes to mind, pops off right off the top that I might want to uh, stay away from, just because again, I'm not convinced that he's going to stop like 35 shots every night.
1: Great stuff, Jeffrey. As always, thanks so much for doing this, and hopefully we can get you on again.
2: Yeah, absolutely, anytime.
1: There you go, that is Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings and DraftKings Nation. Give him a follow on Twitter, at TheFantasyGrind. Always appreciate his little tidbits, and I like what he's saying about Evan Bouchard, especially if the price is right, there's a lot of upside there for sure. We're going to wrap this show up with a former NHLer. He currently an analyst on TSN 1260, a part of the pre and post game shows. He's also a part of the two guys and a goalie podcast with Dustin Nielsen, Joaquin Gage and Hernan Salas. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Cassassination. Matt Cassian joins us on the other Connor podcast. Matt, how are you doing today?
3: I am doing well. Say it's, it's an early one, which is nice because I actually have energy and I'm not uh, I'm not half asleep, so it's uh, it's good to talk.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little bit nicer than those eight o'clock starts, though, which we've had way too many of so far this year.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I'm going to ask you about that because when I brought that up with Jason Strudwick, he mentioned he hated eight o'clock starts. He hated even seven thirty starts. Were you that particular about start times when you played in the NHL?
3: I yeah I, I hated anything that messed with my typical game day routine so whether it was like an early morning game like a five o'clock game or an eight o'clock game it just it just threw everything off eight o'clock games were the worst on the road though because when you when you have to travel um, you know it just adds that extra hour and you're up later on the plane and wherever you're going to it just it just sucks a little bit more so um, yeah I, I didn't like changing the times i just was i was too much a creature of habit and routine that uh that it just felt like it messed with me
1: certainly a little bit easier when you win like the edmonton oilers did tonight over the ottawa senators what did you make of mike smith's performance getting back in between the pipes
3: well, it was a solid one. You know, he doesn't get scored on by Ottawa, which is nice. Um, you know, Adam Larson's the only one who can solve him. But uh, it was it was typical Mike Smith, like really scrambly. Gives you about eight heart attacks with the way he moves around the net. Um, I think he had one instance where he didn't know where the puck was for about five or six seconds uh, in the opposite corner, and, and he didn't move, and you're kind of like, I hope he does something here. Um, but overall, he he made the saves he needed to, and for the Edmonton Oilers, that's that's all you really can ask for is just just make the saves you're supposed to make and i think mike smith gave that to them tonight and i uh, am happy with his performance i wouldn't um i wouldn't start him tomorrow to go back to back after not playing for as long as he did but uh, but a, a satisfactory performance from him against the ottawa
1: senators and with the return of mike smith how relieved do you think miko koskinen is going back to you know maybe a rotation that better suits his game
3: well i don't know Well, relieved maybe that he's going to get a little bit more rest and have someone to take the pressure off. So he knows that, you know, if he's having an off night and he gets lit up for three or four, he'll actually get pulled instead of, you know, being fed to the wolves. Um, So maybe a little bit of relief. Uh, It seems at times like he performs better when he's challenged a little bit. So. Um, um, I don't know again I don't know if he necessarily would be relieved but I think it's going to be good for him Um, hopefully it pushes him and and pushes Mike Smith too to where there can be a little bit of a competition and they can feed off of one another and and just build a a solid goalie goalie tandem for the Oilers
1: Tyler Ennis with a nice goal tonight coming off a few games where he had been a healthy scratch we've seen him placed on waivers do you think this can be a, a catalyst maybe just to start to get some momentum going for the veteran
3: I hope so. It was a really nice play, nice drag to the middle, good release on the shot. Um, that third and fourth line as a whole looked a lot better today, like both of them. That bottom six was uh, was pretty good. So for Ennis in particular, who's been in a the lineup, to be able to come in to score a big goal and to be a part of a big win, I think that's really important. I don't think it matters that it was the Ottawa Senators, a team that he's played for, um, To to me, that's not relevant. What's relevant is he contributed. um, He got to feel like he's a part of it. And and as a guy that's in another lineup, I think that's essential. You know, one of the hardest things for coaches to do with players that are in and out of the lineup is find ways to make them feel like they're contributing, especially if they're not on a score sheet. Um, So it was really nice for Ennis that he could, and and hopefully that just – Builds up some momentum for him because he, you know, he was pretty good last year. He um, hasn't had the start to the season maybe that he'd like, but last year he was a solid player, and maybe this is the first step back to being that for Tyler Ennis.
1: You talk about the bottom six there. We've seen a lot of line combinations. Do you think Dave Tibbetts getting closer to seeing maybe the six guys that he wants to have out there in those roles on a more consistent basis?
3: No. <laughs> no. I think, uh, Connor, I think you're going to see you're going to see a continued rotation. Um, they have extra bodies this year uh, because of COVID and, and the taxi squad and now enough players clearing waivers where they just have flexibility to be able to move guys around. Um, so I don't think we're going to see you know, a, a completely solid bottom six. And, and further for that, if Zach Cassian is hurt for any length of time, well, that's going to change things up again here too. So I think you're going to continue to see a little bit of uh, a rotation um, where they're going to try to keep everybody involved, unless we see a few more injuries, it'll be a pretty consistent um, moving around. At least, at least for the first half of the season. You know, towards the second half, I think you could see a little bit more of a solidification. But for right now, they're going to they're going to rotate.
1: And I mean, how how bad do you feel for Zach Cassing after uh, kind of getting called out by the coach? He gets out there as a great scrap, and then we don't see him for the rest of the game. You're someone who did that a lot in your career. Is that always kind of in the back of your mind that it, you could get injured during this scrap?
3: Well, yes and no. I mean, if there's always a chance of it, but you could get injured any time you step on the ice. You could blow an edge and you know, face plants into the boards. You get hit from behind. You could get slashed in the wrist and break your wrist. You could block a shot and break your foot. Like there's just, there's always that chance of injury. And for him, um, the, the unfortunate thing was he was doing it. In a you know, it, it happened because we're assuming it happened in the fight mm-hmm. um, when he was trying to get engaged after being, you know, mentioned publicly by his coach. And that's, that's hard. I hate to see that. You know, you have a guy that's trying to do what he can to, to find his game and to jump into it. And then he ends up um, being banged up um that it, it sucks for him so um yeah i'm a little disappointed for him i'm sure he is too hopefully it's it's something small um it's not going to cause him to miss any significant amount of time
1: how about for Kara? obviously he also gets into the fight plays 15 minutes what'd you see from his game
3: uh well that got him engaged right away um you know did a good job cycling applying some pressure um um, offensively you know helped hem some teams in in the in the offensive or help him the senators in the offensive zone for a few shifts and and I like that you know when jujar is engaged he's a he 's a really good third and fourth line player. Like he's he's aggressive, he's physical, he's in guys' faces, throwing pucks in the net, going to the net, strong on the puck in the offensive zone. And for the most part I thought he did that today, post fight, which was which was great to see. You know, now the challenge for him is gonna be he doesn't need to fight every game or he shouldn't have to fight every game in order to do that. He should be able just to you know, to find that energy from within to step up and uh um you know start running over guys and, and be a physical and doing everything that he can do well I
1: want to ask you just about the oilers defense core and you know evan bouchard comes into the lineup and he's played very well if i were to give you the option of a healthy defense group not counting oscar cleft of course but ethan bear is healthy how do you think their uh, top three pairings would look
3: oh that's a that's a tough question <laughs> um well, I think you got there, Larson Bouchard um, on the right side. Um, left side is where it gets a little more interesting. I mean, if, if you could have Russell on one side, um, Darnell Nurse is going well, mean, to be your first. And then, um, you know, that left side in a little bit. Do I go, huh? That's actually a good question, Connor. You're going to make me think here.
1: It's not easy I here. Think, I throw hard balls. What can I say? Yeah, you throw hard balls.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, this is a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, let me think, because Russell, he would probably move across. You know, Darnell Nurse is going to carry this significant amount of minutes there for you. Um, and who else do you want? That third left wing, left side position. Yeah, I don't know. That, that.
1: I think we can agree uh, it's good problems to have for this Oilers group. That we yeah, haven't really had in the past.
3: Yeah, like ideally, in in my perfect world, if, if I could, you know, pick it, I would want, you know, maybe even look at having Caleb Jones slide in there somewhere because I think there's there's a lot still for him. Um, you know, Slater Cuckoo has been okay, um, but you got to fit Barry in too. so you're kind of trying to figure out where everyone's going to go. Um, but I guess Barry's got to go on that right side as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a little bit of a logjam. Um, so I don't know if I have a perfect answer for you. I'm going to have to actually think about that a little bit more. Um, I haven't really been thinking about what happens when Ethan Bear comes back, and um, and we're really happy with uh, with how well Bouchard has played and what exactly that does to the lineup. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good problem to have because it's not what we've had for a long time for Edmonton
1: former NHLer Matt Cassian, joining us here on the Other Connor podcast. You can hear him on TSN 1260, their pre- and post-game analyst. Just a couple more here for you. Uh, the goal that Drysidle scores there against the Sens on uh, Monday evening. Now, I've, I've heard a few people look at it from different perspectives, and and that might be the important word there, perspective. Was that a smothering forecheck by the Oilers or the Senators' inability to clear the puck?
3: Um, A little bit of both, you know. The Senators don't have a ton of great puck moving defensemen, um, besides from Shibata, but they still were able to apply the pressure. So, I think it's fair to say that you know it wasn't it wasn't the Toronto Maple Leafs out there. You weren't playing a really great puck moving team. At the same time, um, you know whether it be against the Senators or whether it be against the Canucks or whether it be against the Maple Leafs, we haven't really seen the third and fourth line do that at all this year. And so to have them do it um, and to be able to apply some pressure, I think, was uh, um, was a good thing. And, uh, and I'm going to be encouraged by it, even if it was the Ottawa Senators.
1: Well, Matt, thanks a lot for hopping on the podcast tonight. Really do appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can get you on again down the road. Yeah, absolutely, Connor. Anytime. There you go. That is former NHLer Matt Cassian. He, of course, pre- and post-game analyst on TSN 1260. You can also get him on two guys and a goalie with Dustin Nielsen, Joaquin Gage, and Hernan Salas. Very informative podcast. They have a lot of fun there. I recommend you check that one out as well. And the question about the Oilers' defense, like, when it gets healthy, it's going to be a good battle and a luxury that the Oilers haven't really had in a long time. It's kind of, you know, plugging and playing, hoping a guy works out. For the Oilers now, there's a lot of depth and patience paying off for a lot of the young players and the best will play. So that's a good sight to see for Edmonton Oilers fans out there. That's going to do it, though, for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. Big thank you to everyone who joined me on the show today. Former NHLer Matt Cassian, Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation, and TSN 1260's Tyler Yaremchuk. Next time on the show... We're going to be joined by one of the baddest men to play for the Edmonton Oilers. Steve McIntyre will join us to discuss some stories from his time in the NHL with the Oilers, what he's up to now, and uh, just getting into that mindset to be an enforcer in the NHL. I don't think there was anyone tougher than Steve McIntyre when he played, but we'll ask him about that, see if there was anyone that he feared when he was in the NHL. And of course, we will discuss those Edmonton Oilers by the time the next show airs. The Oilers will have played two more games. Tuesday night against the Ottawa Senators and then Thursday against the Montreal Canadiens. So of course, we'll break those games down and look ahead to the next week for the Edmonton Oilers. And we got to thank our sponsor DraftKings one more time. You can download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes only at Giraffe Kings, and uh, I've had a lot of fun. Like I've said, the wins aren't coming, but that's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep on playing till I get that big payday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.